work, gang. Steady now. Steady. The chief has arrived. Everything's under control. You can just relax now. That's right. Let your gut sag. Everything's under control. The chief is here. Hello there, gang. It's going to be all right. You don't mind if I do a little singing here on my own time? just getting out of hand. Police reported that thieves broke into a store that sells electronic security devices during the weekend in Kansas City and made off with a large collection of burglar alarms. Incidentally, the store was equipped with one of their alarms. Oh, I tell you, it's getting out of hand. Did you see, did you hear what happened to Sterling Moss? You know who Sterling Moss is, the great driver. Oh, he's a famous, he's a, he's a, well, he's a, he's the Roger Maris, the Mickey Mantle, the Dom DiMaggio, the Dominic, the Joe, the, the whole thing. Ted Williams rolled into one in the sports car world. He's a famous racer. Ex-racing ace Sterling Moss has become a backseat driver for the first time, and he will stay one for the next six months. They took his driver's license away. Yep. You never, you just don't think of guys like Mario Andretti having driver's licenses. You know, do you know that? You... <laughs> well, what he did, he did a thing, a very dumb thing. He he passed an off-duty policeman on a double white line. You know those lines, is the double white line there? Don't cross this line. Well, he just went past this off-duty cop. Terribly unfair, said the 41-year-old Moss, who flew from the U.S. for his appeal against the ban opposed two months ago by a court at. Tim Oxen. I just can't believe it's happened, added Moss after hearing himself described as, at the Oxford County Sessions, quote, as probably as good a driver as there ever has been. But it was true. He promptly found out that, that it was true, and not only true, it was true in spades, and he left the court. He was forced to hand over the keys of his silver-colored sports car to attorney Bernard Lester, who drove him home. <laughs> Oh, man, that's terrible. Oh, before climbing into the passenger seat, directing Lester. Lester didn't know how to drive his car. He had to direct his, his attorney how to reverse the high-speed sports car out of the court parking lot. Moss said, and we quote, this uh, puts me in quite a fix, quite apart from the damage to my reputation. My life is geared to driving, and I make my living writing reports about new cars. They have to be driven on public roads, so a private testing track is no use. I'll have to apply now for a foreign license, probably in America. Let's hear that. Let's hear some screaming, yelling music. Come on, bring it in there. Hello? Oh, that's not... Sit in the middle. You're giving those guys too much time there. Send them right in the middle, I told you. Hold it now. Hold it there. That's all right. (laughs) Well, let's try that again. Come on, Herb. Come on. Rolling on seven. It's rolling on seven. My God, you got that party over in the gambling studio again. Cut it out. Hold it. Will you please work the controls right in there, friend? You're going you know, to know who you might pick up around this place. Excuse me a minute here. I'm practicing. You know, that reminds me. If I, I shouldn't be telling you stories out of, uh, uh, you know. Well, all right. So, all right. The truth is the public has a right to know. Right, right. The public has a right to know. Right. Well, a friend of mine is a uh, 
is an editor of Uberman. a famous automobile magazine. And this happens. You'd be surprised how it happens. And he is. He's, he's the top man at this famous magazine. He writes these learned, sardonic, clipped, cryptic pieces about automobiles. He's a famous uh, editor of a sports car magazine. And uh, a few months back, I'm going to hear what happened to him. A few months back, by the way, he didn't write about this in the magazine. This is one thing he ain't going to write about. A few months back, he was given a car by one of the manufacturers to test. You know, you, you read about these testing things. All have you ever have you ever read sports car magazines where they're you know they're testing the uh, the Aston Martin DB7 XGL modified B. Uh, you know that type GS, and uh, all the way down they have curves and graphs and, and uh, all kinds of acceleration uh, figures and. Uh, valve clearance figures, all the important stuff, you know, the kind of stuff that really turns the true uh, aficionado on. And he, he's a master of this sort of thing. So the car company gave him his car. See, he, and he lives out on Long Island someplace. <laughs> they give him the car. <laughs> and uh, it's a nice car. It's a brand new, spanking new one. And, of course, whenever a car company gives a car to a famous editor to test, they make sure he gets pretty good service. Not quite the kind of service you get, but uh, they make sure he gets the better service. So, nevertheless, he's he's out uh, with this car. He has it a couple of days. And uh, this particular test involved what they call a road usage test, which is different from uh, uh, acceleration test, braking test. In other words, how, do you, how is it, you know, to drive to the supermarket? And how is it in traffic? You get out on the world's longest uh, parking lot, the L.I., you know, the Long Island Expressway traffic uh, during periods of uh, crisis. When, you know, there are certain periods in this town when the traffic arrives at such a crisis point. You begin to note uh, there's a sound, a different sound comes into Fred Feldman's voice. It's a sound of near hysteria. When the, <laughs> you notice that about, about the six, uh, roughly about quarter to six. When Fred, you can hear that helicopter, blah, 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 blah. And you can hear helicopters. And he's giving you all these alternate routes. And some of the alternate routes involve going to, say, uh, Hempstead by way of Trenton. Uh, <laughs> you know, that kind of stuff. And uh, so Fred is, is getting nervous and yelling around up there. And so my friend has got the car. He's using it in those conditions. See? So he's out there driving along. Everything's working fine. He loves the car, I see. And uh, and so one night, uh, about three nights after he got the car for test, now you're hearing a true story right right out of the packed pages of what you never hear, what they never tell you. This is the true story behind the scenes. So uh, anyway, my my uh, editor, he's the you know the kind of official editor that they have in these car magazines, bearded. They're all bearded. They all have a vague look, like a, a kind of like a. Uh, a little bit, uh, possibly uh, a second or third-rate Peter Ustinov. You know how Ustinov always has this. Uh, this is the this is the way car editors look. Now, if you're curious, uh, Russ, I'm going to tell you a behind-the-scenes story. You uh, you just walked in on this, so I'll give you a clue what happened. You realize, of course, that Sterling Moss lost his driver's license, okay, and and it's front-page news. Well, that's nothing compared to what happened to a friend of mine who is the top flight editor of a, of a major sports car magazine. And he writes all these very literate, uh, sardonic, cutting reviews of $40,000 cars. Oh, yeah, he'd wind up at the end and he'd just flip Ferrari right in the face. 
you know, that kind of stuff. Is just, uh, as, a, as a driving machine, this uh, creation leaves much to be desired. Slap, you know. That takes care of Enzo Ferrari for the next 500 years. And uh, all, the, all the engineering genius of Milano, Fiato, the whole thing. So he's this kind of guy, and he's really on top of it. Smokes briar pipes, has, a, has an angry-looking Peter Ustinov-style beard, beetling brows, and uh, reads all the British periodicals. As a matter of fact, he writes for the British periodicals. So he's really on top of it. So he's got this car this company gave him to do what they call road usage tests. That means they lend him a car for a couple of weeks, and he's supposed to write up how it goes to the supermarket and so on, that kind of thing which is really below his caliber of uh, sardonic writing, but uh, he once in a while condescends to do that. So here he is. He's tooling along Long Island about midnight with his car that they've given him to use, and he's got his wife with him, and they're tooling along, and he's got his calabash pipe going, you know, looking very official, beetle and brows, and uh, all of a sudden he sees behind him, you know, that sight that so many of us have seen behind us, those funny lights that all of a sudden go off and start flashing around there. See? So uh, he, uh, he's, uh, by George, he's going to have trouble there. And uh, the car pulls up next to him with blue lights going. See, and the guy's pointing, oh, yeah, move over, buddy. And uh, this uh, angry-looking cop, a couple of angry-looking cops. So they, they edge him over to the edge of this road out there in the Hebstead someplace. And you know how cool they get out, so they get out. He's sitting in his car. Now, what the hell? St. Christian. Immediately, he's getting out all his official papers that show that he's the official managing director of, uh, well, he's, he's God, really, in the foreign car field. You know? And uh, you don't mess with a guy like this. You know, it's, it's like stopping uh, It's like stopping Eddie Rickenback. So let me see your pilot's license, please, uh, sir. You know, that's a, that's kind of a... It's very difficult for a guy like uh, Charles Lindbergh, you know, to show up at an airport and they have to take him up for a check ride in a Cessna to make sure he can... You know, they have to do this. Are you aware of that? I know one famous pilot who tried to rent a plane one time up in Massachusetts. And they never heard of him up there. You know, he's got a little grass strip operator up there and he didn't know this guy was a famous airplane pilot. <laughs> so the guy, guy shows up and he wants to rent a Cessna. So, uh... He, I'd like to take a 172 for how many hours you want it for? And the guy says, well, I want it for the afternoon, about 6 o'clock. He says, okay. He says, hey, uh, Lamb, got a guy here for a check ride. And uh, so Lamb comes strolling out of the garage. He's got a you know, he's, uh, cigarette hanging loose like that, you know, and he comes around the front. And he's got a, got a couple of screwdrivers sticking out of his pocket. Lamb is the ace test pilot. And by the way, many of these guys are really crazy. <laughs> So okay, let's go. He said, "This uh, here's the key. So give it, give it a walk around. I'll be right with you." And so the famous pilot walks out to the 172, and he starts giving it a walk around. And uh, I should preface it with this, with this thing, with this one little point of very important information. This guy had never flown a 172. Now he had flown everything from modified F8F Bearcats. At the Reno, <laughs> he'd flown. I mean, he'd flown the he'd flown the kind of hardware that makes you sweat just looking at a picture of it, you know that kind of stuff. So here he is. He's walking around the 172, and, and uh, he's, the first time he's really been really close to one. He's walking around. So Lem comes ambling out. Lem says, "All right, that's a uh, taxied out there." So guy gets in, and he can't start it. He's looking around. So Lem says, uh, "Turn on your." Uh, so that the mission switch, that's right under the yoke there. Oh, yes, <laughs> of course. 
puts the switch in. Well, they go trundling down the runway. What, what, well, it's a phrase among pilots. It's called flailing around. And uh, this guy's flailing around. He goes trundling down the runway. They, they start to take off. Immediately, the, the stall warning starts to honk. And oh, 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 oh. So Lamb is sitting back there real cool, and he, his hands are getting itchy because he realizes they're right on the edge of the cliff, see? So the pilot, he pushes the nose down, and with that, the, 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 the tail of the, of the 172 comes up. She starts to billow on him. Lem says, I'll, I'll, just, just, just take it easy there. So Lem gets it up into the traffic pattern now. He takes over. Well, 20 minutes later, Lem and his passenger come back to Earth. And Lem ambles into the, into the uh, office and said, uh, say, can I see your pilot's license? <laughs> this, this is a, you know, this is an insult. You don't realize what this means. So with that, my friend, oh, not my friend, he's a famous pilot. He's just a guy I know about. He reaches into his pocket, and he doesn't have his license with him. He ordinarily carries this thing in a little leather case, you see, with all of his, his medical and all that jazz, and he doesn't have it with him. All he's got is his driver's license, which, by the way, had two illegal left turns already noted on it, you know, driving violations. The guy says, no, no, let me see your license there. He says, but don't you know who I am? I'm Ace McGonagall. Ace McGonagall. He said, what are you qualified in? Well, Ace McGonagall says, well, uh, F-8F Bearcats. I, I flew at Reno last year, you know. I, I, I came in second in the Reno uh, uh, unmodified, the, the so, you, you any qualified anything else? Yeah, well, I, I flew I flew four engine heavies for for the Eighth Bomb Squadron, uh, uh, two hundred seventy five missions, and uh, I flew uh, four years for TWA. I said uh, all the way up to seven thirty sevens. A long pregnant pause, and Lem says, "Look, buddy, I don't know who you are, but you can't fly no one seventy two, and we ain't going to rent our airplane to no phonies like you." I'll give you five minutes to get off the premises. And the guy is red. See, he's got a girl with him that we're going to go fly. <laughs> he comes back and sits in the car. Uh, I don't know quite how he explained it to the chick. I don't imagine he told her the true story. I've had something like, well, who wants to fly to kind of junk these people got here? <laughs> and they go tooling off. I guess he wound up at Hertz. I think he rented a Mustang for the afternoon. But nevertheless, these are terrible moments that happen to people. And, and my buddy, the car driver, the famous car expert, internationally known. I mean, seriously, internationally known. He stopped out there in this little cockamamie road outside of one of the Hempsteads in Long Island. He's just tooling along with his wife. They're coming back. You know, they've, they've seen the Doris Day movie or something. It's just one of those nights. He's not doing anything. So he's just tooling along. And the guy says, get out of the car. My friend gets out of the car. He says, yes. What the, can I do for you, my good man? This uh, calabash pipe is, you know, little ashes and uh, sparks going up in the air. Every time he gets angry and or, or nervous, his pipe begins to send up sparks like a Bessemer converter. You know, it's a little cloud of sparks above. <laughs> uh, excuse me. Uh, uh, here, uh, maybe you don't realize who I am. I'm uh, Jeffrey Watkins Glenn. I'm a recognized uh, car man. I uh, edit. Uh, I edit the International Car Journal and. Uh, uh, and my credential here, and he, because all, oh, by the way, all all the truly elegant car people have all 
have all uh, uh, very carefully cultivated an Oxonian accent, even if they come from, especially if they come from Trent, they have done this. Now, there's another type of car expert who has very carefully cultivated a slight Middle Europa accent. Uh, he's the one, you know, who goes for the Porsches. Uh, he's the one who, <laughs> who believes in the uh, uh, Porsches. And so uh, many, many times you'll, you'll run into one of these guys and, and, uh, and you'll say, uh, uh, how are things going? Say, oh, all right. Uh, all right. And you say, oh, uh, I thought you were uh, Harold Kluverman. Uh, that's right. Uh, my friends call me Hans. And, of course, you realize that Hans is uh, really from Peapack, New Jersey, but he drives a Porsche, so he's developed the whole mystique around him. It's very difficult when you get into these Swedish cars because it's not so easy to, <laughs> to, to, to sound Swedish without sounding a little silly, which reminds me this is WOR New York. And uh, it's uh, very difficult. So there are, people tend to adopt the, the, the car that's around them. Uh, for example, I have a slight... Have you noticed lately I've developed a slight Italian accent? Uh, which has been noted by uh, uh, several people who have written to me about this. But, of course, it's the car. I, I just soak it up. So, anyway, my friend is driving along <laughs> out there, outside of, outside of uh, this little town in, in, uh, out on Long Island someplace. And he's driving along, and all of a sudden, these blue lights come up behind him. Now he's standing out next to the car. You got it, okay? He's standing out there, and his pipe is going, and his wife... He's got one of these elegant wives, you see. There's, there's a, these men always run to elegant wives. Uh, who used to do a little racing themselves, and they have uh, kind of a... Uh, well, they've got high cheekbones. They always have high cheekbones, piercing look. They look a little bit like younger Agnes Moorheads, what they really look like. And uh, they tend to make ceramics. They, they, they tend to go into that sort of thing. They often uh, weave their own skirts, burlap, you know, and uh, often even go to the extent of weaving their own rugs. Uh, some of them even build their own houses. It's kind of like, you know, and uh, so... Uh, She's looking angrily out of the car, and he's standing there, realizing, of course, these men immediately will, will know that they're in the presence of God. I mean, after all, can you imagine uh, the Pope stopping God, who has dropped by just to take a look at some of the artifacts at the Vatican? And uh, <laughs> a little argument when, when the Pope realizes that God has not brought his ID along with him. And, uh, you know, after all, I am only doing my job. I have to look at the papers. So with that... Uh, the, the the biggest cops is uh, let me see your registration well now this was a crucial moment you must realize that they have given him this car they've just you know he's, it's on loan he's supposed to write this review about it well now the registration in, in such cases is generally just stuck in the glove compartment so so of course we're good man so that he hops into the car, reaches over, opens up the glove compartment. It's one of these little foreign cars. It's got a little glove compartment. It looks like a little plastic bag, you know, with a hook on it. See? So uh, he pulls it out, and a couple of rags fall out, and a, and, a, and a volume that tells him how to tune the radio falls out, and a grease chart. Got no registration. So she said, well, of course, you realize that... The this, this uh, company belongs to the Sato uh, Pacini people. It just lent me this car. I'm, I'm, I'm testing this car, actually. And the guy says, get out of the car. Get out of the car. And he gets out. He says, let me see your driver's license. His driver's license is two months out of date. 
the famous car expert, the editor of one of the most famous automobile journals in the country. Your cars, this license here is invalid, you know. I think you're going to have to come with me. Now he gets back in the car and sweat is beginning to pop out because there's a certain group of people in our midst who really do not conform to the laws that you and I conform to. You must understand that. That the, that the, the laws that deal with ordinary walking around people like you and I just don't deal with those people. One does not stop certain people in our society and say, let's see your license, baby. I mean, you don't stop Jackie Kennedy and ask to see her driver's license when she's tooling around in the rolls. You just don't. You? Yeah? In your 53 Ford Galaxy? Yes. There's just the two system going here. And suddenly he finds himself in the other area. And doesn't know what to do with it. Now, you know, you know how, how, what most of us would do. Well, obsequiousness, right? A tear. A, uh, a look of, uh, of, uh, Abject uh, apology. Like, uh, well, gee, officer, hey, say, uh, that's a handsome uh, gun you have there. <laughs> Just noticing, and, and uh, how well you look in your uniform. Hi, right, George, you know, I'll tell you. <laughs> I say, uh, protect your local sheriff. Hi, <laughs> right, George, uh, I don't know why they ought to take all them hippies and cut their hair off. <laughs> well, this guy's got hair, incidentally, that goes down to his... He's an elegant gentleman, and he's got hair a little bit on the... Uh, a little bit on the Tolstoy version. He's not a hippie version. It's more like Tolstoy. Have you seen pictures of Karl Marx? Well, if you can imagine Karl Marx crossed with Peter Ustinov, this is my friend. He's very carefully cultivated that look, you know. And so here he is now driving along behind a car with the flashing lights. They are taking him to wherever they take him. And apparently they have made a call because another car falls behind him with other flashing lights and now he's between two of them. And he's being escorted. Well, he said, you know, he sat there in his car for a while, and, and he thought the best thing to do, and this is what happens when, when the, one of the beautiful people get trapped, they believe that brazening it out always works. <laughs> right, right, My God, these men, who do they think they're dealing with? And uh, he found out. They drove to this little town's courthouse, and he is escorted between two large men up the steps. They believe that they've not only got a guy with a phony driver's license on their hand, but they've got a guy who has filched the car. So they get up before the sergeant. The sergeant said, what did you say your name was? <laughs> My name is Jeffrey Watkins Grin, a well-known car writer. I, 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 uh... Right, for the International Car Review. In fact, I'm the editor. And I'm testing that machine. And I'd thank you gentlemen to leave me go out my way. And I'll take care of it in the morning. I'll have my girl call you. And we'll uh, send along all the necessary papers. That was precisely the wrong thing to say. I'll have my girl send you the necessary papers. Not I'll send you the... I'll have my girl. Spread. Get, uh, bring that car around the back. I want I want him to look it over good. So they take his car and drive it around the back, and now it's up on a rack, and they're looking for stolen, possibly contraband drugs, which incidentally do come in with these cars. 
And they're up there with flashlights. They're taking the pan off the bottom. He's sitting there sweating. Oh, my God. What now? What next? Well, now his wife, the lady who at the ceramic jewelry, the uh, giant Mexican Mayan earrings, all the rest of it, she is really flipping. And uh, she's cooling her heels. And have you ever cooled your heels in the front end of a, of a local uh, a ba- local Bastille? You find you're cooling your heels with several people you would not like to know uh, socially, let's put it that way. They tend to fall off the bench. Uh, sometimes they even throw up in your lap. Uh, <laughs> and so she's sitting out there amid this rabble. It happens to have been a Saturday night. They have just busted up a big thing down at the bingo game. They brought about 19 roaring drunks in. Seven or eight guys that, <laughs> you know, they want a fist fight in there. <laughs> There's a lot of yelling and shoving. And she's sitting amid the, the, the whole mess. And they won't let her go because, you know, obviously she's quite possibly an accomplice to this thing. She's not. So it all wound up. I'll have to, I'll have to, to, to take it down to its bitter end. I don't, I, I don't know how to tell you this, friends. But it wound up with one of the most elegant international automobile riders sitting in a cell all that night. He did get a few moments of sleep, but it was stunned sleep. It wasn't the kind of sleep he was used to in his, his elegant uh, 18th century revolutionary farmhouse that he built from a kit, which he got from a place out in the Middle West. And the next morning, the story ain't over, friends. The next morning, after they had found the registration, which was actually in the glove compartment amid a lot of things, the registration did not match the license plate. Bump, ba bump. Three days later, he arrived at his office. A profoundly changed man. I might add also, he lost 16 pounds. Because uh, this man runs heavily to things like uh, braised artichokes. So it's not easy to get used to corned beef hash. Especially when it comes on a tin plate. And you get a tin cup with instant coffee in it. Ever since that time, this is slightly different tone has come into his writing. It's terrible how a man so easily can lose that sharp, rapier, cutting, incisive wit. He's aware of forces bigger than he. Mysterious forces. Don't don't think this is an anti-cop. He's constantly right. I mean, wouldn't you like to have somebody stop the guy that stole your car? Wouldn't you, friend? Of course you would. And it turns out that somebody way back in the place where they lent him the car had simply handed him the wrong registration. Stuck the wrong registration in and his license plate simply didn't match that registration. Which, as you know, is a highly questionable thing to have happen. I mean, after all. And his, suddenly, he's a changed man. Now, at the point I'm bringing out here, friends, changed in such a way 
that no longer does one chortle over his reviews. No longer do you read his reviews. <laughs> oh, did he give it to Bentley? Oh, my God. <laughs> did you hear what he said? <laughs> did you hear what he said about Bertone? <laughs> oh, that takes care of... That takes care of Bugatti. <laughs> Made him into coleslaw. No longer. This happens to critics. I saw a critic destroyed because he wrote a play. And his play laid out on that stage like a dead Brillo pad. I mean, it really died. And you know, he, he was changed after that. His brilliant, sardonic, masterful dissections of what was wrong. You know who I'm talking about. That's right. His, his, his fantastic, cool, ironic wit suddenly changed. And now he's emeritus. They no longer let him write reviews. He writes these long, rambling essays on the, the ramifications of, uh, of uh, let's say, the uh, early 12th century Greek Byzantine Renaissance theater on uh, the modern theater of the absurd. They let him deal with the, let's put it this way, uh, safer subjects. And I predict that within a short time, my friend, will no longer be reviewing cars. He'll be boosted upstairs, and he'll be in charge of uh, a cover design. Something like that. And, and there's a look in the eye that's changed. Now, I'd like to ask you, friend, has somewhere along the line in your life, where did you lose it? At what point? I mean, do you remember when you used to be unbelievable with the chicks? You walk in, you know, that that cool look in the eye, always got them. Now they look through you like you're made out of cellophane. They don't even notice that you're there. At what point did this happen? Where did the... Where did that delicate almost impossible to perceive edge go. Now, you're wondering about who the critic was, huh? I'm glad that Russ recognized it. He knows that I'm not kidding. <laughs> so, friends, let us put it this way. If you wish to be an aristocrat all of your life, by God, don't get below the 12th floor. If you wish, if you wish to, 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 to maintain that cool, objective look, towards uh, political philosophies. Man's inhumanity to man. The trust in the eventual goodness of the humankind. For God's sakes, don't walk up and down any alleys. Don't get out there where the scrabbling is going on. Stay up there in that ivory. There's nothing like an ivory tower. You know the Montgomery Ward now sells one by mail. You can buy it. You can install it in your home. It's not real ivory, but who, you know, who's going to know that? Fool any, but fool even an elephant. If you are a little more literary, you can get yourself a cork-lined room. <laughs> I don't have to tell you who used one of those. So uh, a little screaming, a little hollering never hurt. 
I hear you talking. That was nice. That's nice. Oh, no, no. You mind if I join in? Just be calm. Just a little dirge there for the lost and gone, blasted hopes. Well, now, now, uh, this uh, this story, <laughs> I, I can go on even further than that. I'll tell you, I'll tell you one of the one of the saddest stories I ever knew. When it comes to you know people with uh, with great qualifications suddenly being asked to produce their credentials, great qualifications. You know, one one of the most uh, insulting things that a doctor can do to another doctor is to ask to see his license. <laughs> that, just, that just ain't done. And uh, it actually happened, though. You know, that this, this, this uh, little incident, which I'm, about to, uh, which I'm about to relate, happened in a hospital over in Jersey a few years ago. That uh, a doctor whom I have met, and an excellent one, incidentally, was working uh, in a... In a in a clinical situation with two or three other doctors. And so he finds himself sitting with this other doctor, and they're going on for an hour or two, and all of a sudden something didn't seem right to this guy. <laughs> he was getting some strange answers. And uh, so he went home, and uh, he sort of cooled it for a while. He didn't think anything about it. He just thought, well, you know, maybe uh, Dr. Uh, Dr. Gieselman there is uh, having, uh, possibly he's uh, having a little, uh, that incident is not his name. Uh, <laughs> so he says he, he's probably uh, you know having a bad day. He had an argument with his wife or something. He didn't think about it and, and forgot about it completely. So a couple of weeks later, they're out to lunch. Two or three guys are sitting there, doctors, and they're chewing them, you know, just chewing the fat and you know, talking back and forth. And all of a sudden, one of the guys in the crowd brings up something in the in the AMA that he had just read. Say, hey, did you read about the thing about what they're doing about the this problem with the uh, the bad teeth and the turtles, you know? The turtles have been showing up, you know. Have you heard about it, a piece? They had general discussion going on. And, and uh, he didn't think anything about it, except that he noticed that, uh, he did notice one thing, that the guy that uh, he had this, had this funny thing with a couple of weeks before did not take part in the discussion. He just sort of sat there and, and uh, played around with his martini, and that was about all. Again, he didn't think anything about it. So a couple of weeks went by. Another couple of weeks went by, and little things. You know how life goes. You know how you, you you forget things. How often have you just thought of something and then just didn't think about it again for like a year or two, five years maybe sometimes? You know, oh, yeah, yeah. I was going to get a striped tie. How come I never got it, you know? And, uh, <laughs> and sometimes you even think of a thing and you think you've actually done it then. And a couple of weeks later, you start looking for your striped tie and you realize you never bought it which can be kind of silly. Then you know you're really going to pieces, friends, when that stuff starts happening. So uh, anyway, he says, to the, he says to his friend one day, another doctor, they're sitting around, he's saying, do you notice uh, no, Doc Gieselman, uh, is he having trouble at home or something? I don't know anything about his home life. He's, he's, he's kind of absent-minded. I asked him the other day uh, if you're titrating uh, uh, multiple uh, dynamics uh, into a 7-degree CC uh, solution of uh, hogwash with uh, 
seven drops of uh, iodine in, you should get a ding-dong. And uh, he comes up with this uh, crazy answer. I don't know what he was talking about. The other day, I said, hey, I noticed that too. Well, one day he's in, in a laboratory, and they're looking at some very complicated medical charts, and he got an idea. And he says to the guy, say, uh, uh, it slipped my mind for a minute. Uh, the uh, pH multiple dipole factor on this uh, particular chart. Can you uh, uh, can you refresh me a little bit? That's uh, that's in your field. Uh, uh, wasn't the, the the work of uh, of Guberman at uh, John Hopkins? Didn't he deal with that? Isn't there something in the literature on that that Guberman wrote? He's, yes, yes, there is Guberman. That's right, Guberman wrote about. Yes, a very fine work, by the way. You should look it up. There was no Guberman. <laughs> My friend invented it. <laughs> so, with that, he said, holy smokes, you know. Gee whiz, wow. And he didn't know what to do. So he said, this guy, there's something funny with him. And it began to kind of soak into his head. There's something really funny there. So he went home, and that night he picked up the phone. He calls one of his buddies, another doctor. And he called him up. He says, say, uh, I don't know how to bring this up, uh, Fred, but uh, I just don't know how to bring it up. Um, have you ever noticed anything kind of strange with Gieselman? And uh, Fred says, no, no, he's kind of nice guy. You know, he's, he's got some great stories. He's kind of nice. I, 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 what do you mean? What do you mean? Says, no, no, I don't mean he's... Yeah, he's a nice guy. I don't mean that. Uh, kind of something funny about that. The other day I was asking him about this uh, pH multiple dipole factor. You know, in the uh, B series charts there, and I, I uh, told him that uh, that there was a fine uh, monograph by Guberman of Johns Hopkins. Wrote this monograph on the pH multiple dipole factor, and I asked him about it. You know, it's in his field after all. I asked him about it, and he says, "Yeah, yeah, Guberman wrote this good thing." And ain't no Guberman. I invented Guberman. There is no Guberman. Or is there a Guberman? Maybe there is a Guberman who wrote that. All right, wait a minute, just a minute. <laughs> he goes down and he gets out his AMA thing. He couldn't find any Guberman wrote anything on the pH multiple dipole factor, see, in the Series B charts that uh, deal with the, uh, you know, deal with the problem that the turtles have been having for years. So with that, he uh, he comes back up, so he says, hey, listen, Fred, he says, there's just nothing. I I'm just curious about this guy now. And so Fred says, you mean? He said, well, gee, you know, Fred, I hate to, I hate to say it, but, uh, I mean, you know, let's uh, put two and two together. I mean, he's, uh, there's something funny here. Just two and two, it's, uh, it's, I'm, I'm adding up to four, and I don't know. I, I just don't know. Do you know where he went to school? Do you, do you know where he, where he took his, uh, where he went to, where, where did he go to school? And Fred said, gee, I don't know. Must have it on fire at the office someplace. Yeah. You know Fred, why don't you ask him whether he... Just ask him to see his... You know, just, just ask him if you can see his license. How can you do that? And Fred says, oh, gee, I can't do that. I mean, after all, I, you know, me and Gieselman, we've been going to lunch now for... You know, I just can't do that. That's terrible. He says, well, I'll, I'll tell you. Let's get Marty to ask him. Marty, by the way, was the resident crumb. Marty was the kind of guy that loved to see people in trouble. <laughs> There's always one guy that nobody likes. 
because, first of all, Marty is a total... Uh, what was that famous expression that uh, Harry Truman used to describe the... Uh, the uh, by the way, before we go any further here, is it here? Yeah, here it is. Hey, it's big time again. You got, you got the music there? Bring it in. Oh, man, look at this. Ah! You are listening to the actual sound of Barnesville, Pennsylvania. The sound of Oktoberfest in July. The Bavarian Summer Festival starts tomorrow. Oh, you can get yourself bombed right out of your skull, man, drinking all that beer. It continues through July 11th and provides a generous portion of Gemütlichkeit with its huge festival hall, its horse-drawn beer wagons. They have bratwurst, sauerbraten, Wiener schnitzel, craftsmen flying their trades, guys walking up and down blowing them tubas. Oh. Yeah, they got a water ski show going on there. Tree-shaded Bavarian festival grounds at Barnesville, Pennsylvania just south of Hazleton on Route 54. Admission is just one simple dollar. Children under 12 free, especially if they're short and fat. By the way, Casser Tours has buses leaving mid-Manhattan every morning. Just call BR9-1000 and they'll take you out there where all that beer is going down the hatch. BR9-1000 for reservations. That's to the Bavarian Summer Festival in Barnesville, Pennsylvania, just south of Pictorial. Hazelton on Route 54. It's lovely, Hazelton is. Route 54. Remember, it starts tomorrow, continues through July 11th. A little more of that honking there. Just... You can be part of this ravening mob. You can celebrate your own basic barbarianism. You can sit there and chew on them ham bones and drink that beer and yell and holler and pinch all them waitresses. Yes! It's the Bavarian Summer Festival. Yeah. <laughs> I don't think I ought to tell you the rest of that story. All right, I will tell you. Two days later, Marty, the real bad, angry doctor, but legitimate, corners Gieselman next to the coffee machine down in the basement of the clinic. He said, Gieselman. <laughs> yes, Marty? I want to see your license, Gieselman. I'm on the hospital board here, and I'd just like to see your license, just for the record. I haven't seen your license. Gieselman says, what? what? Of course. What? Certainly. I'll bring it in tomorrow. They have not seen him since that day. All names used in this little story were totally fictitious. In fact, I invented them, and there can be nothing more fictitious than something I invented. <laughs> yeah.